Recording live from the Lucky Number 7 Lounge in the basement of Dine, Drink, Travel World Headquarters in the far barren wastelands of far west Texas, this is Dine, Drink, Vegas, and I'm your host, John, a.k.a. The Baller on a Budget. You are listening to episode number 13, and we are about to get sportsy with Vegas, giving you a rundown of our favorite places to catch football and any other sport you want to see. We fire chat GTP and bring back the rule of humans as I have created our cocktail of the day. And we're going to run down the Vegas news that you probably already heard, but we feel like talking about it anyway. And now it's time to bring him in, the founder of Dine Drink Travel himself, the leader in the luxury lounge, the king of comps, the high roller of the high plains, the man who is always waiting for that limo to carry him away to his resort. It's Bill. Bill, how in the world are you today? I am still angry at you for what you and ChatGPT did to me on the last episode with that whatever it was we drank for the drink of the day then. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, uh, who rims cocktail glasses with graham crackers? That, oh, you know what? It's okay in life to make a mistake, but it's not okay to keep making the same mistake. Fortunately, we fired ChatGPT and we hired you as our resident bartender. John, what are we drinking today? So uh, what we're drinking today, for now I'm calling the uh, the Ango Apple Sour. And this is a variation on another famous cocktail called the Trinidad Sour. Now I had my first experience with the Trinidad Sour at the now defunct Gastro Pig uh, restaurant in downtown Las Vegas, and I miss that place already. And it is a, a cocktail where the lead spirit is Angostura bitters. Now, this is an incredibly complex and intense cocktail. Uh, and and, and I, I don't think I don't think it's unfair to say that even if you get one perfectly crafted, it would not be to your liking. Correct. I I like Angostura bitters, but I like a couple of dashes of them in the middle of a whiskey drink. As opposed to, say, you know, two ounces. That's that, a lot. That's, yeah, no. Um, Angostura bitters are designed to be a complement to something else rather than the focus of what you're drinking. Right, which which uh, I like it as the focus, but it is very intense. And the Trinidad Sour is an exercise in balance. And the ones I've had in Vegas have been perfect. But as a home bartender... I could not quite get there. And then even our favorite bartender in town, granted, he only took one bite of the apple, as it were, and didn't quite get it. Uh, Even as somebody who enjoys that much Angostura, if you get it a little out of balance, it's tough. So I wanted to take what I loved about that drink. And I wanted to create something that, A, was a little bit more forgiving and flexible. So if you don't have a certain ingredient, you could potentially sub other things out. And also that tamed the intensity of the Angostura in, in a way that complemented it. So the uh, Trinidad Sour is Angostura with a little bit of rye whiskey, orgeat or ojo or however you want to pronounce it, which is an almond-flavored syrup, you know, that sort of thing. And so I wanted to do something a little more straightforward. And my thought was, what is it that I love about Angostura? And it's the cinnamon and the cloves. And when you think about what goes well with those flavor profiles, you know, the two things that pop to my mind when I think about cloves are either ham or apples. And I am not making a ham flavored cocktail. Now that would be a bad idea. Uh, So I went with apples. Now, what we're using today, this particular cocktail, uh, we've got two ounces of Laird's uh, Bottled and Bond 
apple brandy. You could use any apple brandy that you want. I like the bottled and bond because it's at least four years old and it's 100 proof. So it's strong. It'll stand up to the bitters. But you could use, say, an 80 proof. Laird tests them out there. There's some other apple brandies on the market. Uh, but but we're you wouldn't want to use like a, an apple flavored whiskey, like a Crown Royal apple, right? I, I probably would not because they use that fake apple flavor and it reads sweeter than it is. Some of the apple flavored whiskeys and vodkas on the market are also back sweetened. If you wanted to go that direction, you definitely would want to rethink the amount of simple syrup. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, and maybe you just like things on the sweeter side. I kind of like that fake Jolly Rancher apple flavor, but I don't think it's the right thing for this drink. In fact, I've got a drink idea down the road, if you don't fire me after this, of using Jolly Rancher powder mix to make a, a, a Jolly Rancher apple cocktail. But anyway, here's our bill. Two ounces of Laird's apple brandy. Uh, then we're going to go with one ounce of Angostura. So it's a lot, but it's less than using in the Trinidad Sour. An ounce each of simple syrup, and because we're fat middle-aged men, the one we use today happened to be a sugar-free simple syrup put out by Jordan Skinny Syrups, but you could go with real sugar if you want, or you could play around with this. I think if you had a a, a pecan-flavored syrup, maybe a caramel-flavored syrup, you might be able to get away with that if you happen to have Orgeau or Orgeat in your home bar. Maybe you're big into tiki drinks. I think you could go with with that as well. You You could vary this up. And then an ounce of either lemon or lime juice. Uh, We didn't have fresh limes on hand, so we're using Key West lime juice because I think most bottled lime juices are pretty terrible, but the Key West stuff actually, to me, tastes pretty good. You shake all of that up in a strainer and you serve it in a cocktail glass like a coupe or a martini glass. And and like I said, the way I built this, the, the... the dominant flavor is still Angostura. It's it's there. You get the cinnamon, you get the spices, but it's not as in your face as in the Trinidad Sour. And I personally think that the combination of the lemon and the apple really tames it a bit. We've got uh, a dehydrated orange wheel as our garnish, so that little extra bit of citrus plays so nice in there. Like I said, we could we could mix this up. I think rye whiskey would be fine bourbon would be fine a regular brandy would be fine but i think the apple brandy to me was the right call so i have two questions for you because i want to get your thoughts on this drink and i want to ask two and i'm not going to get my feelings hurt if the answer to both of these is no um but knowing that the trinidad sour was just too much intensity for for your palate a did I make a decently crafted cocktail? Because what we had last week from Chat GTP, it's not just that we didn't like it. I cannot imagine any human being with taste buds or the ability to sense texture would like it. That was just irredeemably, irredeemably bad. So did I craft something that at least belongs in the cocktail canon, even if it's not for you? And B, is this the kind of thing you might drink again on a pleasant fall day? So, in in terms of the first question, yeah, no, this is absolutely a custom craft cocktail. The reason I wouldn't have come up with it, or an excellent one, is I tend to think in terms of things with fewer ingredients. I mean, I don't do a highball most of the time, just a blank and blank, but I'll put in like one thing, like a dash of bitters, maybe an orange twist or something like that. So, I make less complex cocktails than you do. So, yeah, this is absolutely a beautifully crafted cocktail. In terms of whether I would drink it, I think you hit the nail on the head when calling it a fall cocktail. This tastes to me like Thanksgiving. So if you're asking me whether I would drink this in July out here in the far reaches of Western Texas, no, absolutely not. This tastes like a late fall cocktail, 
We are recording this on October the 8th of 2023. So this is the first weekend that is hit in the mornings. It is pleasantly cool. And in the afternoons, the temperature doesn't make you hate yourself. Right. So this is about the first weekend of the year I'd want to drink it. If you and your family are able to make Thanksgiving this year over here at Dine Drink Travel World headquarters, <clears throat> pardon me, I think I would ask you to make the drink then because that's what this tastes like to me. And in terms of the base liquor you use, I think that the apple brandy is absolutely the right choice. It's not that you couldn't make this with whiskey. You could, but that makes it a different thing. With the apple brandy, it tastes to me like a harvest festival. Yeah, and so I, I I'm gonna count that as a win. I think we got it. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was thinking too, like if you didn't, you know, hear some southern coming out. If you had like a shoe fly pie or a mincemeat pie, and this was your dessert cocktail, you know, this it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, all right. So traditionally, and I'm sorry, one last thing. Yeah. Traditionally for Thanksgiving, we had to sneak our whiskey because neither of my grandmothers drank. And if you would like to defy them about that or any other point, you'll have an eternity in heaven. Knock yourself out. Let me know how that works out for you. So we all, always had to sneak our whiskey. So traditionally, for me, the, the Thanksgiving drink has been whatever kind of airport mini bottle I could hide in my pocket. Now that I'm at the point where I am sadly and unfortunately able to make a, a, a cocktail, this tastes to me like what I serve with the main meal on Thanksgiving Day. And I will be happy to bake them if my family happens to join yours on that day. We don't have our plans yet, but uh, I also think this would be great, you know, after trick-or-treaters have run through your neighborhood and you're sitting around the fire pit on Halloween, assuming it's not 95 degrees, because that's a thing that happens in our neck of the woods for Halloween some years. It absolutely um, is. Yeah, I would say like today, I'm thinking fall, but I think, you know, it's in the 80s. A lot of parts of the country, this is still summer weather, but it's not 80 million degrees. So to Texans, yeah, fall is here because it's under 90, so we'll take it. Um, so let's move on to our main topic of the day before we get to the news because it is fall, it is football season, and let's talk about our favorite places to watch sports ball. We, you know, we're both big football fans. You're more college. I like the NFL, but we watch some other sports as well. Uh, let's talk about each of us made a list of our five favorite places to watch sports in Vegas. And there's some overlap, but I think we're going to run through my list first and then we'll come back through and we'll run through yours. So let's go for it. I would say that my number one pick is a bit of a comp out. If you have ever Googled where to watch sports in Vegas, this is the answer you're going to get. And that is the sports viewing and book area at Circa downtown where you've got, uh, I don't know, 30-foot-tall wall of video screens showing every um, game you can imagine. And as long as it's not raining and water pours through the screens, it's an incredibly entertaining experience. It's like being in an IMAX movie theater with all the sports all at once. Okay. What else do you have on your list? So at number two, I put in the Bet MGM bar, uh, specifically at Park MGM. Of course, Bet MGM is what they call their sports books at all of their resorts around town. The one at Park MGM, I just happen to like the food options there. They've got the little side Betty grill next to it. I actually think it's pretty decent wings for a Vegas hotel bar and, um, you know, at least the last time we were there, the bar prices didn't uh, make me hate myself, which not every property gets that. And we'll get to that when we get to the news. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed that space quite a bit. 
the beer garden at Paris. Now, granted, I, I'm a bit of a beer snob, and it's the Budweiser uh, beer uh beer garden i think they call it beer park but it's upstairs in an elevated space so as long as it's not 90 million degrees it's kind of nice up there they have space heaters for the rare cold snaps in vegas uh you could people watch or more specifically my wife gets to people watch while i'm watching sports ball and even though the beers they have on tap are generally not my favorite beers there's a wide range of them and even beer snobs can find something worth drinking there and uh, the food's not too terrible uh, I would say Bar Canada at the D, uh, which is upstairs by Bacon Nation. Obviously, if you happen to be in town for hockey seasons, it's a Canadian-themed bar. And they I got apologize, you. I apologize for cutting in here, but y'all, on some other episode, if we haven't already talked about it, we'll talk about the downtown pub crawl. That's where I discovered Bar Canada, um, which is... I'll talk about sports ball in a second, but it is a lovely place to have a cocktail. If you haven't been there, you should check it out. Yes, and they carry one of my favorite beers on earth, which is from Unibrew out of Canada called La Fin du Monde, the end of the world. It is very similar to a Belgian triple, and I just I love that beer. Now, it is a behemoth. I, I think it's somewhere in the 9% alcohol by volume oh, dear Lord. neighborhood. So if you drink two or three pints of that, you may experience La Fin du Monde. I mean, it really can put a number on you, but I really love that beer. And then my, and I didn't really do these. I don't know that, you know, Circa's number one, the other four, I think are interchangeable depending on my mood. But what I put fifth, not necessarily in fifth place is getting a pool cabana with a TV. And specifically if, if I'm on a budget, I want to be at the one at uh, the plaza because it's a very affordable experience. Uh, but, you know, most of the pool cabanas around town offer a TV. And I got to tell you, you know, dipping in and out of the pool during the slow parts of the game or during halftime and then getting back in your cabana with your fan and, you know, the waitress in a very modest swimsuit or not has come in not modest. I mean, there, there will be a swimsuit uh, has brought you a fresh bucket of beer or whatever it is you're drinking. It's not a bad way to catch a game. So. What I'm looking at in your list here, you want to watch sports around as many people as possible. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, usually I, I like sports viewing as a communal event. Like I usually watch my sports at home because, you know, my wife wants to watch the budget and that kind of thing. But honestly, you know, I don't live that far away from a Buffalo Wild Wings. Not my favorite sports bar, but it's it's an electric yeah, place. Yeah, I can't imagine full. that you haven't walked to Buffalo Wild Wings from your house. Yeah, oh, and I've absolutely done it. I mean, the, we've got a couple other sports bars in town that I really like. I, I like the communal aspect of sports most of the time. The pool cabana is nice because you can get a little bit more of a personal setting. But yeah, I like, I like the party vibe when everybody's into a game. So are you trying to actually watch every bit of the game or not? Depends on the game. All right. Uh, and it really does. I mean, you know, sometimes I, I, I do want to catch every play. Sometimes I don't. Uh, so, yeah, it, it sort of depends on how invested in, in the particular game I am, which is either am I a fan of that team or was I dumb enough to bet because I'm bad at sports betting. Uh, but if I don't have any money on it and it's not one of my teams, yeah, I'm probably in and out of the game. Okay. No, that actually, that makes sense, right? So if I'm watching the game at all, I'm, it's probably a game I'm into, but I'll talk about that when I get to my yeah, list in a second. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, yeah, I, I, I think about the social aspects of it and, and most of these, especially Circa, uh, you really are getting into the, in, into the 
the vibe of the crowd. I mean, we did our March Madness rundown where we uh, watched the opening weekend at the Plaza in their showroom. And it was just a lot of fun because they would have somewhere between two and four games on the screen at one time. Not everybody was watching the same game with the same intensity, but when something good or bad happened to a certain table's team, <laughs> it was really, really, really entertaining to watch their reaction. And I like the energy in a crowded sports watching venue. Like to me, that's that's part of the fun. I I do remember that, and that was a very good day. And to your credit, that's not a day I would have had had you not suggested it. So cool, good on you. Yeah, honestly, I I, I wouldn't be mad at, at the plaza if they just converted that space into a sports watching lounge uh, because I just I, I really loved the atmosphere and the vibe in there. All right, cool. So I mean, I like all of those spots. Um, you you're going to go watch the one big game, right? Like. Your Horned Frogs make it back to the national championship game, and you was, there, there's some chance they, they don't get prison stomped. I, I would argue that the Horned Frogs never entirely made it to that game. All right, your Horned Frogs make a college football semifinal. Yeah. Um, where, where they were quite successful. Where do you watch that one big game? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I Again, I think it, it depends on the group we're with and that sort of thing. If I'm by myself, I definitely want the big crowd. Um, if I'm with a bunch of people that are into the same game, I know where you're going with this, and I, I can't see the argument you're about to make. Um, I still tend to um, – I handle losses by my squads with, with a little bit more grace than some people. So I'm okay you know, getting kicked in the groin publicly by my friends making fun of my team for doing badly. Um and so I still I should, think I want the the big vibe. And okay, and I want to back up for a second. I want to apologize to the internet because I'm a proud Aggie. The UT Oklahoma game yesterday was before our game, and I may have pointed out to all my friends who are UT fans, which is most of my fans, that their team did in fact lose in excruciating fashion, and I might have been a jackass about it until my Aggies did what they do in the Alabama game yesterday. You know, as good as good protestants and anglicans we may not believe in karma but she always does seem to haunt you whenever you taunt other fan bases well but for a lot of people like karma's kind of around for me she's like right there she was on top of it like yeah. that day yeah 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 so that anyway was, yeah. i apologize internet yeah so that that's hilarious all right so let's go through your list and we have some overlap but we also have a, a couple of big differences so so like all good friendships or all good relationships there are both points of overlap, and points of departure. So let me start with the assumptions I'm making when I, I get together my list of where I'm going to watch sports ball in Vegas. The first thing is I am probably actually watching the game, right? Like I actually want to see almost every play. The second thing is I'm a fundamentally introverted sort of person. And what that means is I don't want to watch it in the presence of as many other people. I want to watch it with my friends, don't really care about all the other people in the room. Right. The final thing is inside is good. God created air conditioning for us to enjoy, and I want to be in that part of his creation as much as I possibly can. So that's that's kind of how I do things and how I did this. So the top thing on my list was to get a hotel suite, which we've done several times. We talked about that on episode 12, the hotel suite we had at the Delano. 
I've also watched sports ball in suites at the Aria and at the Bellagio and at lots of other places. And if you've got together a group of, let's call it four to 10 dudes, and you're going to watch a game, that is absolutely the way to do it because you can get a little bit louder. You can freely point out the flaws in one another's teams. Um, And if the spirit moves one of you, to dance suddenly in the presence of your friends, you are free to do that. Dear and Lord. hotel security is not going to stop you. Um, <sighs> one of our friends may have made choices, which all of the rest of our friends regretted. Yes, that that's fair. And I will say, you know, on the baller on a budget scheme of things, you can find reasonably priced suites, or you just hope one of your friends that's willing to spend more on their room gets a suite, and you can still get a base room. Um, but a reasonably priced suite to watch sports, and then you buy a bottle of whatever spirit you like, or you know, a twelve pack of beer or whatever. There is a cost savings there. Like I would argue, if you're really going to get into a game, the cost of upgrading to a, a moderate size suite at a moderately priced property is probably going to cost less than the bar tab you're going to run up at some of these sports bars. Oh yeah, for me, particularly if you look at it, you know, divided across however many people you've got. Yeah. Like when we were at the Delano last month, um, there were five of us there, and we got like three bottles of whiskey, which we nursed over the course of whatever it was, we are there for quite a few days um, and drank most of it there. You can order a bucket of beers, but it's it's great. The Delano's a good deal. Treasure Island's a good deal. And if you want to spend some more money, because um, you know, you've know you got friends who are having a good year or something, there are other places like the Aria or Caesars or, or um, Bellagio, oh, Bellagio yeah. which are phenomenal choices. So I love to get a hotel suite option because it also kind of lets you be you. And I kind of want to visit with my friends too. Now, my next two spots are actually similar to John's spots. The Circus Sportsbook would be lovely, particularly if there are fewer of you around or if you want to watch lots of games at one time or something like that. And if you just want a bar bar, the Bed MGM bar at Park MGM is phenomenal and one of the better values in terms of the drinks and snacks and stuff like that. It's not that it's cheap because it's Vegas. It's just that it's cheaper than some other places. So on those two, we agree. After that... I really like the sports book at Mandalay Bay because you can spread out pretty easily. You can see all of the games. I also just kind of like the Mandalay Bay complex. And finally, <clears throat> hold on. Not. I want to I want to stop there for a second. Right, cool. So let's let's talk about traditional sports book spaces because right. um, the you know Park MGM has a bar and restaurant attached to that. There are some other casinos that charge for seats at sports books, but I want to stop there because I think Mandalay is a good one. I don't know the rules of Mirage under new ownership, but certainly the way MGM ran it, the same thing was true at Mirage. Sure. Uh, and if you want a really small space, uh, even New York, New York offers this to you. One of the great things about these open sports books like Mandalay, they don't charge you for a seat and they don't make you buy from their bar. You can bring in outside beverages. Right. So if you're trying to save some money and you've been over to the CVS, the ABC store, Walgreens, and you've gotten you a couple of big silos of beer and a shot for like 10 bucks or whatever they charge, or you have the bottle in your hotel room, so you've got up and made yourself like a good-sized travel and drink that you've brought down to that area, 
one of the nice things about that that setting is you could still save a little bit bit of money on how how you do your food and drink during the game but it is nice because when we're watching a game in the suite we're all watching the same game and that's great when we're all into that game but if if you've got a group where everybody wants to they've got an interest in slightly different things or if it's not your team and you've got bets on five games at once there's something to be said for these big open format sports books. No, there absolutely is. But again, that goes against my stranger danger sort of vibe. Right. Although so, some of them are big enough to have quiet corners where nobody's going to mess with you, which, which, is, which Mandalay absolutely did. Yeah, that, that yeah. is why Mandalay was on my list. So the last place on my list, and I don't know, in retrospect, maybe I should have put this higher, but the Monte Cristo Cigar Lounge at Caesars is great because every now and again, I enjoy a cigar um, I certainly want to get some cocktails, and that won't be one of your cheaper days, but you're probably not going into the Monte Cristo Cigar Lounge to get blitzed anyway. You want to have a few cocktails. They've got some great spaces for you to sit with your buddies. They've got quite a few TVs around. So if you want other people around, but you don't want to be just absolutely swarmed, the Monte Cristo Cigar Lounge right there by Nobu inside Caesars is a great space to watch a game. Um, as long as your game is one of the ones they're showing. But usually, if it's one of the big games, you ought to be fine. Right. And if there's not a big crowd, I'm sure like most places, they might adjust the TV for you on request if nobody nobody objects. Uh, although, I don't remember if there were sports or not when we went in there. I may have been a little bit distracted by the staff at that particular establishment. No, you're thinking of Casa Fuente. Oh, Casa Fuente. I'm not. Me. And Casa Fuente is a lovely space. Um, but I wasn't, no, I'm actually specifically talking about Monte okay. Cristo. And let me throw out one dark horse contender that neither of us listed. I think I could be persuaded to watch some sports ball at Chicago Brewing at the Four Queens. Yes. I don't know how we both avoided that one. And to be fair, it's probably not one of my top five, but you know what? That would be an amazing afternoon. And they've got great looking pizza. Yeah, no, um, yeah, that would be, be it didn't make either of our top five. But as I sit here and think about it, you know, maybe we should have done top 10 because I think that's one that kind of deserves a little. You know what? Let's make that the honorable mention for both of us. Yeah, I think I think I think that's an easy sell. OK, right, cool. well, what's going on in Vegas news, John? So we're going to start with a story from Jacob's life in Vegas. You could follow Jacob. He's the obnoxiously handsome, bald guy that makes really great content. Uh, and he's anywhere on social media. You want to look X or Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I happened to find this particular one on Facebook. He posted a menu with Caesar's Palaces, one of their lounges, their drink prices. And uh, Bill, what stood out to you about what Caesar's is wanting to charge? That you'd have to already be pretty drunk to be willing to pay any of these prices. The cheapest thing, thing on there is a single can of Coors Light or Miller Light. So you're not even talking about actual beer yet. And it was $10.95. Good grief. Like, I know inflation's a thing, but like a beer and a shot is $21.95. And I'm guessing that that shot is not Pappy 12. Yeah, no. And and like a bucket of five is $53.95. So we're talking less than a six pack for over 50 bucks. And these are the kind of things like, you know, my wife and I rented a, a pool cabana at Caesars. And they do this at the pool cabana. But like, I kind of get into the pool cabana, although I, I do think it's ridiculous. But listen, like, I know there's an upcharge when you drink at a bar instead of buying your own alcohol. And I know that in a big time on the strip Vegas casino, that upcharge 
is upcharged. But this really is straining credulity to have an $11 Miller light. I In mean, a can. Yeah. No. So that's one of the reasons I like Monte Cristo Cigar Lounge. It is not a cheap place to drink. But for your $20, $21 old-fashioned, you get a high-end whiskey. They talk to you about which whiskey. They do an excellent job crafting it. If you're getting a beer, it's whatever. Yeah, you've got better choices. It's probably not 11 bucks for a Coors Light. So this is... Where in Caesars was this exactly? Uh, well, I think this menu is all of their baseline lounges around the casino. So I'd have to go back and see which particular one it was. But th- there's not a venue name on the menu which tells you this is the default menu at most of their florid service bars and little carved out lounges. Yeah, y'all, you can do better. Yeah, and like the beer in a shop feature for 21 bucks. Like some of these spirits, absolute vodka, like, uh, you know. Actually, I'm I'm trying to expand. Yeah, whatever. Captain Morgan, rum, Jaeger, Meister, Crown Royal, Jack Daniels. Yeah, like the ba- like, best thing on that list is Jameson. Yeah, yeah, which is a good whiskey, which I enjoy. I'm going to do the traditional Episcopalian thing of simply going to my country club instead, paying less than this per drink, and waiting for my bartender's hand to get tired before he quits pouring. Right. That's a better deal. Yeah, I think this is where it starts getting to the point that if I'm staying at a place and these are the prices, you better believe that I'm just buying my booze across the street at Walgreens because this is just, you know, and if I'm in a restaurant and the prices are like this, I get it. I'll have a drink with my meal. But like, seriously, if you're going to sit back and and have, you know, a few beers at these prices, you could be over at BrewDog where it's some of the world's best handcrafted beer, I think slightly cheaper but at least if you're paying you know if i'm paying 11 dollars for something brewed by two scottish geniuses with a great view and an awesome food menu versus the service bar at a side lounge at caesar's for a coors light for bottled water pretending to be beer yeah no that's a hard pass for me so listeners if you've learned nothing else from listening to the dine drink vegas podcast here is the one thing that i think i i haven't talked with john about this before but i think he would agree with me that that we both want you to know buy your own booze like go to a bar or not to a bar right like go to a liquor store find whatever it is you like pour it in your hotel room and have a walking around drink because it's just a better deal than some of the absolutely asinine prices like this that you get charged at hotel bars and don't buy from the little convenience store in the hotel no 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 no, no. like find an actual liquor store and here's the thing they're on and the prices of that liquor store are still going to be too high. Like it's going to be higher than in your hometown packaged liquor store, but it's not going to be this mess. Right. No. And I, you know, you can, you, you don't even have to make it to the liquor store. Although there's the one at the airport, there's several that are a short cab right away, but even the ABC stores that are dotted all over yeah, the tourist ABC's areas. Actually of Vegas, yeah. Like I, I, I prefer them over Walgreens or CVS. They have a decent selection at, at prices you can wrap your head around. It's a little bit more than you pay at home, but it's not highway robbery compared to what the essential store but, at Park MGM is going to run you. But I don't even mind the CVS. Like Treasure Island, which is one of my favorite spots in Vegas, um, they've got a CVS store there, and I don't remember what a fifth of Maker's Mark cost there, but I remember thinking, wow, that's pricey, and wow, that doesn't make me hate my soul. Yeah, right. I think the last time that I looked at Maker's Mark in Vegas, I want to say, you know, a 750 milliliter Maker's Mark was 55 bucks, which is $20 more than we would typically pay here. 
roughly, give or Which take, depending on the economy. Which is 30 bucks more than you would pay in a real city. Right, right. Like, yeah. But still, like, for what you're getting and where you are, you can get a lot of mileage out of a $50 bottle as opposed to, well, you know, so a, a, a $20 shot. A standard shot in the United States is 1.5 ounces. So in a 750 milliliter bottle, there are 17.98 standard shots. So effectively 18 shots, which means even if you're paying $55 a bottle, you're paying $3 a shot, which is, I promise you, a better deal. And yes, John, and you're looking at me as if you're laughing. Of course, I know it's 17.98 shots. I can't stop do. myself. Yeah. Um, that that's a way better deal than you're getting in the bar downstairs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you know, we, we could just see that's we're in a mode in Vegas where they're making money hand over fist. And it is sort of the MO of modern Vegas. They they don't they don't offer the customers great deals until they have to. And I will say this. If you want to do all your drinking at bars, go downtown. One of the reasons Bar Canada was on my list is I can afford to drink at Bar Canada. Don't get me wrong. They're not giving the stuff away for free, and it is more than I would pay at my favorite watering holes at home. But it's numbers I can ride with, whereas I've noticed more and more and more on the Strip, you're just going to... You're just going to pay through the nose because right now Vegas is so popular, they can get away with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know what? I will always be the leader in the luxury lounge and you will always be the baller on a budget. And I'm coming closer and closer to your position of this stuff is just stupid. Yeah, but there I, is bound to be news in Vegas beyond drink prices, there right? There is. So uh, Fountain Blue has dropped their website. They're already booking hotel stays. So if you're going to be there soon, you can already book. They're going to open in December. And so we've got the website up and looking at some of these dining choices. And uh, a lot of these look like they're going to be signature fine dining establishments, which is not surprised. Fountain Blue is not going to be a cheap place to stay. It's not the kind of place I'm going to want to stay every trip in Vegas because I do usually economize. But every now and then, your boy has popped for Palazzo and Bellagio. At some point, I'm doing Fountain Blue. So as we look through the list, is there anything that is sticking out to you? So I'm pulling up the list right now. And the first thing I will say is Fountain Blue, as you pointed it out, their website is working, which makes them way ahead of the last time I was on MGM's website. We'll get to that later on. Um, so, And this is my first time going through the list. I'm not going to lie. It strikes me as kind of your standard high-end Vegas list. What I'm really curious about is what impact the opening of the Fountain Blue is going to have on Resorts World because this looks to me like essentially the same list of restaurants that they've got at Resorts World with different names slapped on them, but some competition I think may be good in terms of bringing down prices at Resorts World and making them up their game at their spots. Yeah, and 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 I kind of want to see what what this is going to look like in in real life once they're launched. I do have to say, like I I do like that uh, you know they got um, Cafe Kuto, which you're going to get decent non big chain read that is not Starbucks coffee. Uh, so I like that they're going to have a specialty coffee joint because that's one of the things I will always spend big money on is good quality coffee. Uh, they've got two steakhouses, and I've got to say... I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, so they've got... I, I'm kind of in cur- uh, curious about Poppy's Steak, because this looks like... Um, you know, it looks like it's going to be kind of a different vibe. 
I love the picture they have up. I like the style there. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious. You know, they feature caviar on the website and the tomahawk, so this is not going to be cheap. Uh, but I'm intrigued by this. Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't get to go in, in December, so it'll be a while before I'm in this property. But I think uh, between the two steakhouses, Poppy kind of catches my eye a little bit. Uh, they've got a sushi place. They've got uh, uh, Cantina Contramar. So that's going to be uh, signature seafood with a Mexican flair. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I think there's so, some things here I want to check out. There are two things which stand out to me. The first is La Fontaine, which describes itself as a plush dining room offering a sophisticated champagne brunch experience as well as a signature grand tea service. I had a formal tea at the um, Waldorf Astoria, and that was an amazing experience. Um, a nice tea in Vegas is, I mean, it's a pleasant meal to eat. And I think if I'm ever going to get my wife to go back with me to Vegas, that's the sort of thing I do. And I trust if I, if me, if I can get my wife to go with me to tea there at La Fontaine, I'm guessing I can get Mrs. Baller on a budget to go to that with you, right? Yeah, I think that's a thing that that she would quite enjoy. And I don't know that our wives would even know that we were there, and it's fine. The second thing which stands out to me about this list is you pointed out to it that the two steakhouses, Don's Prime and Poppy's Steak. Um, so Don's Prime, every occasion is a celebration, the sumptuous steakhouse, blah, blah, blah. And Poppy's Steak, Poppy's Steak fuses golden era Hollywood swagger with modern day spectacle, blah, blah, blah. It seems to me like two different versions of the same place, and it's just really hard for me to see both of those places making it long term. Like, of course, you've got a steakhouse. I'd love to know what their thinking is in having two, and I kind of got to go in to see how they're different, you know? And as I look, they've got three different coffee shops, which, okay, you know, and again, I'll try them all because I love coffee. Um, I also noticed like some of these venues, like they've got pictures of the tavern and Vita side by side, and it looks very much like they took the same design and then just changed one up one, like one's in, basically it's like having Twitter and, and dark mode and Twitter and light mode. If you look at the tavern and Vita, these pictures, uh, it's almost copy and paste spaces, but they sports barred one up with dim lighting and TVs and the other one's brighter and like. But otherwise, like even the architecture of the bar is the same. So one last thing before we move on from Fontainebleau. I want to see if... So we were talking about the possibility of making a trip out to Vegas in March. So let me see what it would cost to stay at Fontainebleau on those random dates in March. Just for funsies. Because again, in terms of whether that trip actually happens, don't know. But I'm curious. So... It's waiting. And the first thing that stands out to me while the hamster is spinning its wheel is that I'm not going to have any kind of a discount there. Right. And why don't you look at a suite and I'll look at a base room. Well, and I just pulled up all of them. So the base room is $300 a night on random dates in March. And that already not hugely intrigued. Like I'm sure it's a lovely room. A suite of any kind. I'm scrolling. I ate. So the Platinum Queen, which is a 660-square-foot regular room, is 395 so that might be the sweet spot. A junior suite is 410 It's 896 square feet. So I'm looking. And by the way, listeners, their website is using the exact same software that MGM does. 
Ah, so it's, if you've ever booked at MGM, it's very easy to navigate. It'll look familiar. So their suites are actually pretty good deals at four or five hundred bucks. Their regular rooms are three hundred bucks. So to my and again, I'm y'all. I'm looking at one particular date. I'm not claiming this tells you everything you need to know about this place. But for me, it's a pretty good place to get a nice suite and probably a not pl- not a great place if you just want a regular room. Yeah. But who knows how that works out once you know they've got their deals in their players club and all that sort of stuff working. I mean, I, I think they have a, a, a platinum king, uh, great view, 660 square foot room for 415 versus the smaller room for, I want to say 385 with a strip view. Like, yeah, I think this is a place where if you could afford to stay here, go ahead and roll the extra fifty to a hundred bucks and get the suite or the premium room because the 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 gap between the base rooms and the suites or premium views, like this is a place that if you can afford it, go ahead and do it. And if you're if you if you can't afford the premium rooms, stay somewhere else. Because if you're already committed to three hundred bucks a night, you might as well go all the way or find a less expensive joint. Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting pricing structure. Everything's premium, but moving up from base is not as, it's not the big gap that you get at, say, Aria, where, right. where the price gap can be really prohibitive. I agree. And before we move on to the next story, I want to go back to our drink of the day. So I'm still sipping it, which tells me two different things. One, this is not a get messed up drink, which is probably appropriate because I called it a drink for Thanksgiving dinner. And nobody wants to get messed up around their family because tragedy ensues, right. right? So it is a sipping drink. But the second thing is I am still sipping it, which means I must like it because we saw what happened on episode 12. I was like, well, that sucks. And I put it aside as quickly as yeah, I could. So ne- I will yeah. throw out alcohol if it's bad. Right. Neither of us finished last week. I think, I think I'm on to something here. I, not to toot my own horn. Yeah, I think and I'm on to something. And I will definitely never toot your horn. Thank but you yeah, this is a good drink. Right. So next story on here, uh, let's very quickly touch on the sphere was open. Obviously, we don't have time or money to go see you two during their uh, residency. We both have jobs that make it hard to get out to Vegas this time of year and paychecks that make it hard to afford you two tickets. <laughs> um, but did you see any of the footage? And if if there was an event in the sphere that that hit your schedule and your budget, were you intrigued enough to want to get inside that building? So I think it's a gorgeous building. I enjoy looking at whatever random things they put on it from the outside. I'm not opposed. If there's something I really want to see, I'm fine to go see it. I just I don't have any particular need to go inside, and I'm struggling to figure out how they're going to make money over the long term because they're essentially a $2 billion concert hall with the mother of all electricity bills for their outside displays. Yeah. Now, I mean, if that's what the group is doing, is Fine. I don't know that it's the sort of thing I ever suggest. So apparently they're doing some like movie type experiences in there and things that they can, they could charge a reasonable number and pack the house. And you know, the screen it's, it's not 360 degrees around you, but it is immersive. And you know, I could see them creating some things that might compel me to go. I mean, if you, if you gave me like a planetarium type, do you remember the feeling of going to the planetarium when you were a kid? I feel like they could come up with something that would hit even the most cynical 2023 20, adult, the way going to the planetarium in the second grade hit you. If they 
put some things out there that the average folk can afford to go do, I think they got a shot because it's a big venue. You, you could get a lot of people in there. They just have to find that sweet spot of content and price where they can pack a house. I really want to catch something there. You know what? It, you call it, and we'll make that on our next Vegas trip. That gets to be the evening you plan, and fine, I'll go. It's not going to be the evening I plan, but I'm happy to go if that's where the group is going. Yeah, I just I don't see the need to drop a couple grand on on one two hour concert necessarily. But uh, I love live music, but I tend to I actually prefer more intimate shows. I mean, I'd rather listen to a second or third tier band in a see small your room. Intimate shows, John. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, I, I I would rather catch a a lesser band in a in a smaller venue where you feel like you're interacting and that kind of thing than be part of a big crowd at a stadium concert. I've never been a stadium concert person, uh, so I don't think I would want to go there for music. But I think for some of the other potential of that space, I think there's some events they could throw on that might get me in the door. Great. Then I will look forward to tagging along with you. So speaking of things I don't think I'm going to do, uh, in the Neonopolis space, in, um, in the Fremont Street experience, they're putting in an outdoor skydiver simulator thingy and you can get the whole write-up on this uh, over at vital vegas's blog because most of our news comes from scott at vital vegas because we're too lazy and we don't live in vegas and we're not going to break any news nobody's telling us anything but uh they're going to have a bar and a grill and there's a thing i guess it's one of those fans and you put on the parachute suit and it blows you in the air as if you're free falling in a skydive and that sounds like a great way to throw up in vegas so i don't think this is for me but you've done zip lines and the like. Is this a thing you would ever do? The only time I did a zip line, I got stuck halfway down and I got hauled through the jungle between the legs of a hairy Honduran man. So I no longer zip line. He paid extra for that. Uh, based on my zip lining experience, I can't imagine the skydiving thing would be any fun because, for one thing, yeah, no, that, no, you know what, I'll be at the bar, I'll be the fat guy having a cocktail, you boys can catch up with me later. If you would like to support the podcast by giving Bill a subscription to the OnlyFans account, Harry Honduran guy, just uh, go ahead and reach out to him on social media. I already lived it, and no, no, thank okay, you. So we're good there. All right, uh, next news story, the Rio's new owners are starting to take over, they've begun an overhaul, they've launched a new website that looks good. Now, I didn't start going to Vegas till later in life because I just flat couldn't afford it. And I also went through a phase where like I had a bunch of moral objections to doing anything that's remotely fun. So I never got to see the Rio in its heyday. Bill, what do you think is is a refreshed and remodeled Rio a place you want to check out? It is. So I went there and I don't remember the exact year. It was roughly 2006-ish, give or take, more or less, with a couple of buddies of mine. That was long before I had ever met you. And we went to the buffet. And I remember thinking, this place used to be kind of cool. But that was at least 15 years ago that I had the thought that this place used to be kind of cool. I can't imagine that it's gotten better since then. So, um, you know what? I'm kind of waiting for them to refresh themselves. But sure... Like, you can tell how it would have been a prime spot during its heyday. And what I'm waiting for them to do is make some sort of a connection to some other hotel. Like, I don't know, some sort of a weird walkway to the Palms, some sort of a better connection down to the Tristrip, something like that. But sure, once I get done with the remodel, I'll go check it out. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the missed opportunities in the A's, and I know that uh, we may flip-flop these stories so we can segue from Rio to uh, Major League Baseball. At one point, there was talk of the A's buying the uh, lot just uh, between the Rio and the Bellagio. And then in that development, they would have come up with uh, a walkway and maybe even a moving sidewalk to get you from the Rio to the A Stadium up to Caesars or Bellagio. So you would have then had a and way to connect. And you would have loved that it. with the moving sidewalk. Uh, yeah, I don't do moving sidewalks, but I, I would I would make that walk. Maybe uh, they have great. some escalators and stuff. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll take the stairs. It'll be fine. But but my point being that I, I think I my preference for the A's location would have been that. Because I think the symbiotic relationship then between the strip, the ball club, and the Rio really could have allowed for some really neat things. And I almost kind of wonder if Caesars hadn't sold the Rio by the time baseball started becoming more of a real thing, if they wouldn't have held on to the Rio and found a way to make that happen. But that's, you know, at this point, historical conjecture and fiction. Um, but yeah, I want to see this up and I can even envision like a four night trip to Vegas where it's two nights in the Rio and then two nights at the Palms or Red Rock or some other place that's a little bit disconnected from the action, but there's enough in under that roof to occupy you for a night or two. Fair. So speaking of where the baseball stadium should be, the Major League Baseball Relocation Committee is meeting this week to talk about the A's potential move to Las Vegas and I still believe this move happens, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little surprised that there aren't more notes of done deal in all of this. And I get it at some point, you know, there are formal things which have to happen. And this is one of the formal steps in the process. And sure, that is moving along. And yes, I still expect it to happen. But something smells funny to me about why are we still talking about the details? Like, why do we not know for sure, for sure, for certain, where this is going to be and exactly how the A's are going to pay for it and all of that. So we know there's a meeting this week, and I trust I'll have a better update for you in a couple of weeks when we record episode 14. Yeah, I will say this. like I I, I get your skepticism, and, and, and I could see a million ways that this thing goes sideways. But since we started news talking about Fountain Blue, uh, if that boondoggle eventually led to an actually open and functioning casino, Vegas is a place where anything can happen. So I still think this ultimately gets done. But yeah, I got to say, this is a darn messy process, and, and I sure can't see this falling out. Yeah, no, I yeah, I can see it falling out. I don't think it does. I still don't know what the final, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know what the final shape of all this looks like. Yeah, and I agree. And like, I wonder if even the the current planned location of the TROP is is going to hold. Although it sounds like the TROP's going to move ahead with closing and remodeling no matter what. So hopefully they get their ballpark because, I mean, they've got a lot riding on that. Uh, and I, I want to see that corner become interesting because, you know, one of my favorite places to stay is either at New York, New York or Park MGM, depending on my mood. But that spot is my favorite place on the strip. And to have another property in walking distance that's worth going to do stuff at, like I would really love to see the trop get better. And I would love to stay at New York, New York or Park MGM and go over and catch a night of baseball. Like I, I really do hope this this lands. I do too. So the trop is in a different ecosphere, but all of the other casinos around it are M-Life casinos, MGM Rewards yes. casinos. 
So let's talk a little bit more about that hack. I'm seeing various um, estimates of how much money that costs, but it amounts to a lot. I know I got an email from MGM, what, the middle of this week, which said, hey, gosh, we moved aggressively to contain all of this, and most of your data wasn't hacked probably, um, and I haven't gotten the follow-up email, so maybe my data was safe. Good luck, listeners. I hope your data was safe and all of that. But I just logged on to the MGM Rewards website, um, and I wanted to see if things work. But you know what? First, because we go down rabbit holes. So it says, important information for MGM Rewards members about our cybersecurity incident. Click here. <clears throat> and they've got a great big FAQ page, most of which we, you know, is covered in the email you probably got, but okay. So one of the questions, I was not able to redeem my tier appreciation dining credit. Will I still get those benefits? Members who were impacted by the recent operational issues and earned the tier appreciation dining credit during this period will receive future communication when we're able to add that benefit in the form of MGM reward points to your account. For qualifying members who were not able to redeem the air travel credit during this period, you will have the opportunity to request a one-time post-trip redemption of this benefit. Um, more information about how to request the air, your air travel credit will be shared shortly. So that actually impresses me because there are a whole lot of people whose trips were messed up actively and in the process. And it looks like MGM is slowly moving to make things right. Um, I'm not going to go through all of those, but it looks like they do realize they have some sort of obligation to the people, the customers who were there when the incident was happening. Yeah, but I can't, you know, with, as long as this has dragged on, I can't help but wonder if maybe they wish they had taken the Caesars option of just paying the sons of guns to get it out of their hair. I don't know. Then again, maybe the fact that they paid hostage money, that's the reason why Caesars is now charging 11 bucks for a Coors Light. So I don't know about that either. But, mm. um, but let's, go, yeah. let's go on the MGM Rewards website. So I'm going to sign in now. Let's see if I can sign into my account. Next. So what we're doing right now, folks, is a, a live technical check. Is their website working? On October the 8th of 2023, just to give you a little timestamp on this. It is at the very least very, very slow, but it appears to be moving. All right, so I was able to log into my account. Let me see. Wait. Okay, now view account, my rewards. And I want to see if you have better look because I checked a couple nope. hours ago and I could not. MGM reward account balances are currently unavailable. Right. So let me try what see what happens when I book a room because I, I gamble more than I optimally should have on this last trip and i want to see if it's attaching any new effort so we're going to go for those theoretical march dates right the ones we just looked right. at for the font and blue and i don't have any kind of updated offers or anything like that they have declined from my last trip when i gamble more than normal so it looks to me like so i mean all of the basic services are working but it looks to me like the underlying architecture isn't there right like they still can't reward their players right. properly in terms they're of still the trying rewards. to yeah they're when still you, trying to right. figure out stuff like how do we reimburse you for rewards you couldn't cash in on your last right. trip so the architecture of can i book a room yes that's working but the connection between the booking process and and the orders because i i i i cannot help but think that you and i both should see an improvement of offers based on our the Labor Day trip. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm not a high roller, but 
I, I spent enough and risked enough on my two summer trips that historically that gets me something from MGM. And right now it's not. So I, I, I don't think they've become more stingy than they've been. Although they are definitely like when they redid the rewards program, they tightened things up quite a bit a few years ago. But my, my guess is this is not them tightening up. This is they can't process my stay and play into meaningful data right now. That's going to have to come back online later. Yeah. I hope oh. it does because right now I've got a room in March booked for the link. Uh, and, and I got a pretty decent deal there, but I'm kind of hoping MGM, you know, throws me a bone and gives me a reason to stay in their ecosystem. If not, I guess I'll try Caesars out, although they're not getting 11 bucks out of me for a Coors Light, I'll tell you that. No, but so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Sorry, funny note, which doesn't have much to do with anything, but I'm looking at my account and on those random dates in the second week of March, I've got several hotels that are free, several hotels that are not. But weirdly, Park MGM, can you see the screen from where you are? No. Okay, cool. So since you can't see my screen from where you are, guess how much Park MGM wants per night from me? I'm going to guess they're going about two ninety five. No, they want $16 a night. And at that point, I'm kind of wondering... Why you bother? Like, if you want half yeah. the amount that you're going to charge me in resort fees, less Just, than half the yeah, amount. Yeah, go ahead and waive that and get me in there on resort fees only. or yeah. And tell me that it's free, even though we know it's not. We know it's yeah. resort fee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is officially the weirdest price I've ever seen in Vegas. Like, the New York, New York, which is literally next door, is free. But at the Park MGM, they want $16. And I do feel like that is one of the things that I, I keep seeing in their ecosystem I, I don't think that there is a big there's a big gap in style between New York, New York and Park MGM. I don't think there's a big gap in quality, especially with the room refreshes at New York, New York. And yet the pricing structure, they kind of treat the prices at New York, New York like it's the dirty castle when it in my mind it is definitely a big step up from that. Oh gosh. And, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I hope they don't listen because I like because it's making New York, New York a bargain for me. I'm just not sure I agree. Maybe I shouldn't say it out loud because I don't want them to reconsider. But I think I think if you're staying at an MGM property, I think that's what makes New York, New York such a great value pick because the quality of the space, and they are small rooms, but the quality of the rooms and the energy and vibe in that building and the proximity to so many other things, I don't know why you would stay at Excalibur when New York, New York is right there and it's right such there. a better experience. Well, and like I've got some reviews of New York, New York up on the YouTube channel. Yeah, it's it's a it's a legit nice place. Yeah, yeah. It's not luxurious, but then again, I don't think a park MGM is luxurious. I do think it's quieter. So, you know, my wife and I had this conversation. If she wants a and she loves that end of the strip too. You know, if she views it as a romantic getaway for just the two of us and she wants the quiet space, she wants Park MGM. But if she wants to be, and she's a bigger introvert than you are, but when she's in a mood that she wants to be a little more social, New York, New York is a, a, a more fun, vibrant property. But she even views them as 1A and 1B, not as a quality gap between the two. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this time around. We thank you so much for listening. And the podcast is not even close to the only content we provide. So, Bill, since you're the boss of this outfit, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? We have new content coming out every week on our YouTube channel, which is Dine Drink Vegas. Occasionally stuff coming out on Dine Drink Vegas Shorts, which is a different YouTube channel. We also are on X or Twitter or whatever they're calling themselves today at Dine Drink Vegas. As or well at as on- Dine Drink John. Or at Dine Drink John and at Dine Drink John. Yes. As well as on the Facebook and on um, Instagram is the word I was looking for. Yeah, we should get around to threads too at some point. I, I may I, take I, that on. I did like two. It was fun. Yeah, I like threads. It's it's kind of Twitter-ish. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we thank you so much for listening. We hope that you keep coming back for more. If you have suggestions on the drink of the day or anything else in Vegas, or if you want to argue with us about sports locations that we overlooked and how wrong we are, absolutely drop us comments wherever you listen to our podcast, and we will catch you next time.